So last Sunday was the last Sunday, or was the last day of the last year, and it was last Sunday, and it was the last Sunday of last year. Today is the first Sunday of the first year, of the first week, of the first year. What are you saying? What I'm saying is this, is that it's, it's a new day. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's a new day. And so last Sunday, there was something unique that happened. We had seven people that were baptized, and so they were stepping into a new life. Amen. A new expression of life. And so the question becomes, well, then what, what's next? What do I do next? Not just for those that were baptized, but each of us. What does God want for us in this new year? I, you know, I traveled for over 21 years, and any time I was doing a New Year's Eve service, I was always seeking God, what is your word for the new year? And it was, it's amazing how God can speak and uh, tell you something and you not talk to anybody else, and then later you find out that 10 or 15 other people preached it the same day or a week later. And, but God knows how to communicate to us. One of the challenges we face as a body of Christ is this feeling of, do I matter? Do I count? What's my purpose? And today I want you to know unmistakably, not only do you matter and do you count, but God has a purpose for your life. Amen. So turn around and look at your neighbor and say this with me. You have a purpose. As a matter of fact, the message today, the title of the message is called Called to a Purpose. Would you say that with me? Called to a Purpose. So we're going to read a verse of Scripture and we'll pray and we'll get started. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you ask you to have your way. God, we honor you and we just yield ourselves to you, Father, and ask that you just let us decrease so you can increase. And we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if I sound like I'm in a can, it's because I am. <laughs> I, my, I've had sinuses flare up over the last couple of days, and I didn't even know I had sinuses until I started pastoring here. And then about, I guess maybe f four, three, four years ago, they introduced themselves. So let's take a look at this. The, Jeremiah is speaking a prophetic word, and God is speaking through him, and he says, For I know the plans I have for you. How many times have you ever felt like, God, I mean, what am I even supposed to be doing? Do you have a plan for my life? Has anybody ever been there? Wondering, you know, I mean, sometimes we can feel like we're just out here wandering around aimlessly, just doing one day after the other and, and missing out on the plan. Now, God says, I know I have a plan for your life. In other words, God's not going, huh, Mary, let me figure out what I'm going to do with you. He knows, he knows exactly what his plan is for our lives. He, he, he never looks at us trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. He foreordained us. 
And we're going to get into that in a moment. But he knows what his plans are for us. And he says, they are plans of good. How many of you have ever had people plan evil against you? You know what I'm talking about? It's like they, you felt like they were out to get you and they were plotting against you. He says, my plans for you are good. I'm not trying to take you out. I'm trying to take you up. And so they're good. And he says, and not for disaster. They're plans of good, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. Now, we all understand that uh, our future hope is to spend eternity in heaven with Christ, right? But what about here and now? God has a hope for our future right now. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Paul says, for we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. First thing I want you to do is turn around, look your neighbor right in the eye. Look him right in the eye, and you may have to go cross-eyed if you got two people, but you have to do this twice. Look him in the eye and say this with me. You are a masterpiece. Some of you just looked at each other and said, no, nah, I don't believe that. <laughs> just looked at each of them, nah. Now, now look at your neighbor again and say this. You're looking... You're looking at a masterpiece. This, this, is, this is what I want you to get. The Scripture says that we are God's masterpiece. A masterpiece is not junk art. A masterpiece is not doodling on a pad or, or just, you know, I've got a granddaughter and, I, and we've got pictures that she's made that are up on our refrigerator and they're a masterpiece to us but not to anybody else. God created you his masterpiece. Where do you think Da Vinci got his talent from? Where did, where, I start to say, where did Leonardo get his? The same place Da Vinci got it. So, put them together, folks. Leonardo, Da Vinci. Okay. So, where Van Gogh got his talent from God. Michelangelo from God. Monet from God. All the great, well, who we call the great masters, got their Ability and their talent from God, and yet God did his greatest work not in nature. How many of you have ever stood and watched the sunrise and just soaked it up and thought, man, th th this is just gorgeous? How many of you have ever been at the ocean and watched the sun set going down? We went to the ocean last year, and I've always been a mountain guy. Went to the ocean last year, and they wanted to, my, my grandson wanted to go down at night and fish. Well, I'd been there all week long and had not, go, and had not gone down to the ocean at night. I went with him that night, and when I got down there that night, I looked up. And man, I'm telling you, I, I was just awestruck when I looked at the stars and their brilliance out over that ocean. And I made a statement to myself. I said, man, if I had known it was like this, I would have been down here every night because I was standing in the presence of a master. I was standing in the presence of God that hung the stars in space. And can I tell you, he didn't just hang them there. He put them there in an order that you can trace out things. And how many of you have ever seen the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper? How many of you are standing next to a big drip when you were looking at him? <laughs> no, you don't. 
<laughs> what I'm saying is this, is that we are God's masterpieces. Say it one more time, masterpiece. You got to get that because we've got a bad thing of our thinking where we beat ourselves up and we throw ourselves down and say, well, I'm nothing. I can't do anything. Do you understand that being humble isn't about thinking less of yourself it's about thinking of yourself less. Are you with me? So that when, when you worship, your focus shouldn't be on you. It ought to be on him. When you're, when you're engaged in a, a, a whole, when, when Mike was playing that, I, I, I was just, I just got lost in worship for a moment. And I thought, man, that, that's, not just, that's not just somebody playing a guitar. That, that, that took me to a level of worship with God. How, how many of you recognize when you get there, you need to hang out there for a while? So what God does is God's been creating for some time. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He starts creating. He speaks the land into existence, and he speaks animals, and he's speaking the fish and the fowls of the air, and God's been hanging out there for a while, and then all of a sudden God goes, all right, I'm getting ready to do my best work of art here. And he dips in, and he does something with us that he did not do with the rest of creation. When he dips his brush in the, in the paint, and he hits the pallet. He breathed life into us. He breathed his self into us. And man became a living soul. He made us in his image. You are a masterpiece. And God has a plan and a purpose. Paul talked about it. Paul says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. How many of you remember when your life became new in Christ? You know, that, that scripture says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's, that's not just some cliche. That's a reality. When Christ came into my life, I was made new. People that knew me couldn't understand what happened to me. I had folks, oh, that'll never last. I, I, you know, just keep your eye on him. That's not going to last. I'm telling you, when Christ comes into you, he makes you new. Now, think about this. He makes a statement. He said, so he made us new, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you know the purpose that you're called to? To do the good things he planned for us to do God's work and to do his will. So what, what is that? What's that look like? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. And I, I, I hope you write these down or mark them down. I know we get a little lazy sometimes and we, you know, we got everything up here on the screen for you, but you need to mark these things in Scripture so that when you're reading later and you go to it, it's a reminder to you. It's so easy just to forget. 2 Corinthians 5 and 11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. I want you to catch that. Paul is making a statement. He said, we have a fearful responsibility to the Lord. God did not extend his grace to us for us to hide it from others. 
God didn't reach in and apprehend your life and for you to become a, a secret agent so nobody knows that, that you got saved and you try and keep it under wraps. He saved you for a purpose and a plan, and that is that the work that we, the work we do to bring you to God is heartfelt. God knows it, and other people ought to know it too. Listen to what Paul said. Paul makes a statement, and he says, we work hard to persuade others. Why? Because of what he's done for me. Because of what he's done for you. Listen, after you experience the grace of God, you can't help but want to tell somebody else about it. He said, and it's heartfelt. God knows we're sincere is what Paul said. God knows we're sincere, and I hope you do too. I've met, I've met folks before that were, how many of you ever felt like you were part of a time clock when it came to somebody witnessing to you? You know what I'm talking about? I've, I've, I've met people that they have a quota that they hit, have to hit every week. And so what they'll do is they'll, they'll swing by and they, they find out that you'll answer the door and talk to them. You get put on their list to get their time in every week. So they'll swing by and visit you all the time. Oh, I got, you know, I got you done. I don't want to be somebody's, uh, 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 somebody's check on their list. I, I want to know that when somebody's talking to me about God, they're doing it because there's something heartfelt in them that they want to tell me. Amen. How many of you have ever had God do something special for you? Wave your hand. When he did that, did you keep that under wraps? What did you do? What was your first response? You, you want to tell somebody. I can't help but want to tell somebody. I mean, how many of you have ever, you know, the idea of keeping it quiet doesn't even register with me. How many of you in here have ever, have ever had this thought, man, if I, could, if I could win the lottery, but I don't want anybody to know it. I'm going to be honest with you. I've had that thought. I, I mean, I, I was thinking about when that lottery got up to a billion dollars, and I thought, man, if I could win that lottery. Of course, it's a little hard to win if you don't play. And so I was, I was saying, God, you know, if you laid it on somebody's heart to give me a lottery ticket. <laughs> and then that lottery ticket was a winner. A billion dollars? Man, once taxes were taken out, I'd have 300 million left. I, and, and I got to thinking, I thought, man, with $300 million, I could pay off the church. That's not how it got paid off. <laughs> but I thought about it. I thought, I could, and, and God, I just wouldn't want anybody to know that I won. Why? Because you know that all of a sudden, everybody and their brother would be showing up, knocking on your door, Hey, congratulations. Congra you know, I've always liked you. You've always been my favorite seventh cousin. You've all, you know, you've, you've always, and, and, and just all of a sudden, they, I've heard people about saying that relatives come out of the woodwork, you know, and all of that. But do you understand that what's happened to us 
is greater than $300 million. What's happened? And you can, you, what the Bible says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What God did for me is worth more than $300 million. And I can't cope the attitude that I don't want anybody to know. I want everybody to know. It always struck me odd, though, that I know they would come around and talk to me if I had $300 million. But since I've got a pearl of great price, they don't necessarily come looking. So what do you do? I go looking for them. <laughs> when, you've been re- when you've received the grace of God, remember what the Scripture said about Noah? Noah did what? He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When Noah found it, did he keep it to himself? No, it said that he was a preacher of righteousness, that he's, he's preaching that grace to others. We are to share with them what God's done for us. Now, watch what this says. Go on into the verse, and it says, All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What's your purpose? You've been given a message of reconciliation. What are you supposed to do with the message? Thank you. Deliver it. If you work for UPS and you get a message or, or, or whatever, what's that, Western Union, and you get a me- you're supposed to deliver that message. Paul said that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, what's reconciliation? I'm glad you asked. Reconciliation means to restore to divine favor. Restore to divine favor. Give me one word that would fit that description of reconciliation besides reconciliation. What is it when you are restored to divine favor? Grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When the world was falling apart and the world was spinning out of control and evil was everywhere, does it sound like any place you know? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What did Noah do with that message he found? He began to share it. You find out that Noah, when you read on it, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah is declaring and he's sharing the message. He wants everybody to know you don't have to perish. You don't have to go to hell in a handbasket. You can be saved. You can be redeemed. And so he's sharing the message. We have been called ministers of reconciliation. Watch what this says. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You're an ambassador. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone that has been chosen to represent someone else. We have ambassadors all over the world. They are not there to represent themselves. They're there 
to represent the United States of America. God saved us, apprehended us, brought him, brought us to him. The Bible said that he was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He brought us to him so that now we can bring others to him, that we share this message that we are his ambassadors. When he chose us, he commissioned us. Listen to 1 Peter 2 and 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you catch it? You're chosen. You didn't step out of darkness. You didn't wander out of darkness. You were called out of darkness. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God saw you in darkness, and he called you out. Do you remember when he called your name? Do you remember the night you got saved? Wave your hand at me if you remember the day or the night or whatever it was you got saved. Hold it up. I, I'm telling you, just hang with me here for a second. I've preached this once. I'm preaching it again. And, and here's, here's my thing. Don't anybody get upset. But it, uh, it puzzles me when we talk about, do you remember when you got saved? And folks go, yeah. I, I'm telling you, when I got saved, the insides of me were jumping up and down. I'll never forget. I didn't even know what was happening to me. All I know is I was sitting, I was in a church, and I felt someone calling me. I, I, I didn't know where to go. I started up front, and when I started up front, two guys started following me, and I'm thinking, man, what's going on? And I wasn't focused on them. I was focused on him, and I thought, what is this that I'm feeling? And he's saying, you know what? Today's your day because I'm snatching you out of the darkness you've been in, and I'm going to bring you into light. And it's just not light. It's marvelous light. Why would he do that? So you can share the light. So you can spread the light. Everybody say called to a purpose. Called out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. But once he called us out of darkness, he didn't just call us out. But now he said, you are light. Look at Matthew 5 and 14. Jesus makes a statement. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Everybody say, all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Do, are, are you getting this? Not only does he call us out of darkness into light, he makes us light. And then he says, now, you've got to give them light. That they're giving light to all those that are in the house. 
here comes the challenge. Jasmine, let me borrow you. You're, how many of you know that you're not, you, you, we sang that song, right? Help me sing it. Won't let Satan get out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan get out. Oh. Well. What do you think about that? See, here's the deal: is we we sing the, these that beautiful song, that cute little song. We sing it, but we forget that there is someone that is trying to extinguish your light. You're not going to get through life without storms. You're not going to get through it without feeling the winds of adversity. The question is, is how do you keep that light shining when storms come? See, she's fine as she's sitting here, this little light of mine, I'm going to let. But what about when all of a sudden storms begin to push her and she finds herself, oh, she can't, oh, yeah, that's nice. Go ahead, go ahead. See, go ahead. Oh, you're doing great. Go on. Oh, 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 wow. What's your point? My point is that storms are relentless. Storms don't care about your light. They're doing their best to extinguish your light so that you cannot share it with others. How many of you have ever been there? You know, we come to church every Sunday, we pat our hands, we praise God, we worship God, but we forget about the nitty-gritty when we get out of here and all of a sudden the devil attacks and we feel storms coming from, and, and we are panicked because we feel like, I don't know how much longer I can keep this fire burning within me. Jeremiah understood it. Jeremiah said I look he's got he's preaching the word and they've thrown him, thrown him in a slimy pit he is up to here in mud and he feels like he's going to die every time they put him in stocks and people walked by and laughed at him and ridiculed him and he's thinking God I don't get it I'm I'm doing all this for you and 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 yet I'm going through this anybody ever been there Living for God never meant that you wouldn't face opposition or storms. But what it did mean is that there would be someone to take you through the storm. Everybody say, he's going to take me through it. And so, oh, wow, that didn't work out. <laughs> Give me a few minutes and I'll figure this out. So... <laughs> A storm just hit my message, spilled it all over the place. But God's going to make the light shine before this is over. 
So what happens is Jeremiah is, is, is sitting there going, I just don't think that I can do this anymore. And he says, I'm not going to speak for the Lord anymore. But then as he begins to say that, he feels something happening way down deep inside of him. He said, I felt like it was a fire that was shut up in my bones. So when that fire gets in your bones and you have to start going through that storm, you discover something that now there's something ignited inside of you uh, that won't let the fire go out of you. Uh, and, and Oh, look at that. Do you see how cocky she got? Now stay here with me because how many times do we get like that? Oh, yeah, me and God, we got it all worked out. That ain't going to give me no problem. I'll knock him out twice. I, I got Here's the thing is you have to remember you didn't produce the light. He called you out of darkness into whose light? Into whose light? Into his marvelous light. So when you get to the place and all of a sudden you get the wind knocked out of you and the light goes out, you got to go back to the source and say, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm going to trust God. He may have put me out, but I'm not down. I'm going to come back up and let my light shine. Somebody say, let it shine. You can take that with you. The question becomes then, but what, what about this light? Everybody say, what about this light? Everybody close your eyes. Just act like you didn't see any of that. Now, the Scripture said that he didn't just call us to be light, but what else did he call us to be? He said, you're the salt of the earth. Now, now, check this out and stay here with me because this gets unique to me. The, in Psalms 119, I think 103, David speaking concerning the word of God, and he said, his words were sweet to me, sweeter than honey. So God's word is ascribed as honey. Everybody say, God's word is honey. But he called us to be salt. <laughs> Well, Paul says, let your speech, therefore, be with grace, seasoned with salt. Grace is the favor of God. Grace is that sweet word of God. Isn't it something that he called us to be salt and not sugar? Let me say it this way. God doesn't need us to sugarcoat his word. It's already sweet. It's got honey. And there's a, there's a huge difference between sugar and honey. Sugar causes inflammation. Sugar causes heart disease. Sugar causes diabetes. Those are all things that sugar does. Honey doesn't do that. Honey is an anti-inflammatory. Honey, honey is an antibiotic. Honey is antibacterial. What are you saying? Everything about God's word that's sweet protects you and doesn't damage you. But when we try and sugarcoat the word of God, we're causing people harm. We've got to be salt. Salt brings flavor and salt preserves. So we are to preserve the word of God, not change it. 
to try and meet our lifestyle, not manipulate it or twist it to try and meet some cultural phenomena that's going on. Amen. He said, I'm God and I change not. You don't have to sugarcoat his word. His word will stand the test of time. But he does call us to be salt because salt is a preservative. Salt brings flavor. How many of you have ever been on a no-salt diet? How many of you were ever told to go on a no-salt diet? It didn't last long. It's like, no, no, there ain't no flavor in this. Well, you're going to die. Well, I'll die happy. <laughs> this, this, no, no, it brings flavor. Think about this. God himself refused to allow you to bring him an offering that wasn't seasoned with salt. It's in the book of Leviticus. He says, whatever you bring to me, you season it with salt. Don't bring me something that's got no flavor. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away in the morning. No, he said, you, let your praise have some flavor to it. If you're going to praise me, I want you to season it up. God's saying, put some salt on your worship. Put salt on your praise because it brings flavor. Everybody say flavor. Salt does something else. Are you ready for it? This is what I get excited about because not only am I called to be light, but I'm called to be salt. Well, what else does salt do? Salt will deal with the devil. How many of you think that when I describe the devil as a slimy slug, I'm hitting the mark? <laughs> Tries to wrap you up and get, you, get slime all over you. I never forget, man, I was renting a house. It's a true story. All the others were true, too. <laughs> But I'm, I, I'm in the, I, I was renting this house. I got up in the middle of the night on my way to the restroom, didn't have any shoes on. Obviously, I'm in bed. I don't wear shoes to bed. So I'm going through the kitchen barefoot, and all of a sudden, I stepped on a slug, a big slug. I didn't know what it was at first. Man, you talk about a panic to find some light. God's saying, you're supposed to be light. <laughs> you have to light up the way so you don't step on a slimy slug. I stepped on that thing, man. It went up through my toes. It was like, oh. I grabbed a rag and I'm, gosh. And I thought, oh, that slug made me mad. Pour some salt on it. You have been called to be light and salt. I went for the little girl with an umbrella, and I went and found that slug, and I started pouring salt on that slug, and that slug went, help me, I'm melting. <laughs> it just, it, 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 it dissolved that slug. Now, hear me. I know I'm, I'm using a little bit of humor here, but I want you to get this. There's a reason that God calls us to be light and salt. Because we are not just supposed to light the way for ourselves, but we're supposed to give light to all that are in the house. So it's not just what you're saying, it's how you say it that lights up their world. 
It's not just what you're saying, it's how you say it that causes them to taste and see that the Lord is good. And you need to recognize and understand that when you find yourself in the darkness and all of a sudden there are slugs all around you, the devil's trying to lay a trap for you. God said, I've given you what it takes to be able to deal with the devil. Now you need to stand up and declare that God is God and the devil's not going to have your victory. Would you stand with me? Pastor, is it possible? I don't know. So the question becomes, is it possible to be light and salt at the same time? Now remember, you didn't see anything that happened earlier. <laughs> and so what happens it's where you're, when you're singing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Not only is there light in you, but there is salt in you that is preserving you and those around you. You're not just shining a light. You're bringing, you're bringing flavor to the world. So here's my question. If you're in here today and you've never really given your life to God. I'm talking about fully. You know, I mean, I know what it was like. I went to church when I was, you know, from 16 to 18, I was going to church and going to cuckoos. It doesn't work out. But the day that I heard God call me out of darkness, the day that I said, I can't live like this anymore. The day that I stepped into his light, something lit up in my soul and in my heart. I was misunderstood by a lot of people. They thought I was just some smart aleck teenager because I couldn't be quiet. I'd get up to testify and felt like the whole world was shaking, man, my world was. I couldn't understand how everyone could be so calm and collected when all of a sudden I found the, the giver of life. I, I, I had come to know him personally, not just hear about him, but have him speak to me, have him move in me. He brought flavor to my world. Now he said, now you go and share it with others. That's your call. That's your purpose. Spread light and salt wherever you go. You may be in here today and say, Pastor, I, I could use some light. I could use some salt in my life because, man, things are messed up right now. I want you to hear me. I'm not standing up here boasting about that once he called me out, he kept me out. Because there were times in my life that I wandered away. But he never let me go. I said he never let me go. And he's not going to let you go either. So if you're in here today and you need to recommit yourself to him, you need to say yes to him all over again. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I... 
I got some darkness that's trying to overshadow me. I just need you to shine your light on me again. I need a fresh touch. I need you to let me taste and see that you're good one more time. If you're here, I want you to come right now as they sing this song. I'm going to hold for just a moment. Go ahead. Because your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over. Jesus for my 
loving him today, let me remind all of us of this. This is what we're called to. This is your purpose. This is his plan. Let me share something else with you about light and salt. When light enters the room, light is the only thing that can expel darkness. And when light enters the room, it expels darkness. Now hear me. We have to pray and ask God to let the light of his love intensify in our lives so that it lights up every dark corner. Are you with me? Every dark corner. Because you can have light in the room and there still be darkness. So it's not enough just to say, that's why the scripture said that we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. His marvelous light, because when his light comes in, it lights up every nook and cranny for us to deal with. Here it is, God. I wonder if you'd take a moment right now and say, God, here it is. I, I'm just asking you to deal with all the nooks and crannies in my life, God. Every, every corner that's got darkness in it, God, I'm asking you to expel that darkness out of me. I don't want it in me. I don't want it here. Light my fire, God. Light my fire. The other thing about salt is salt isn't just a preservative. Salt is a healing agent. Salt brings healing to the hurt of your past, to the disappointments and the letdowns and the broken hearts. He brings healing to that. It's not just about flavor, it's about healing. Because the truth is, sometimes we don't feel like eating until we've been healed. We need God to heal us. So if you're in this place today and you need healing in your body, I want you to just stretch your hands up right where you're at. Would you do it right where you're at? Whether it's a physical healing or a spiritual healing, say, here, here I am, God. Now, God sees your hands all over this house. As he looks at that hand, I wonder if you would, from your heart, remember what Paul said at the beginning of this when I, I read that passage. He said, with sincerity of heart. And he was sincere before God. As you are sincere before God right now, let him heal you. Let him heal you. Let his light light up every corner of your life, those parts that are hurt not by physical pain, but emotional stress, and let him heal that right now. Let the stripes that were placed on his back heal your physical body right now so that when you walk out of here, you're going to be a masterpiece. <laughs> Not only are you going to be a masterpiece, but you're going to spread some light. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house right now. First Sunday of a new year. It's a new day. You're called to a purpose. To share light and salt wherever you go. You remember what happened to Jasmine when she felt like I got it all together? 
she recognized that the devil's still after you light he'll put it out if you're not careful that's why the scripture said little children sin not but know this that if you do you have an advocate with the father through Christ Jesus the righteous he'll light your world again let him keep it lit and let him use you to bring that message of reconciliation, that divine favor to everyone you come in contact with. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you. We love you. Have a happy new year.